When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another exciting episode of For Never News! The only news source that provides anything and everything anime and manga related. And we don't bore you. We get into it. Let's do it. Still moving on, still moving on. This is for my day ones. This is for my day ones. Come on. Before we get started, quick nod to my album that's out right now called The Rise of Tim Roosevelt. You can listen to it on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, everywhere you get your music. Check it out. It got songs like Day Ones, Mistakes, Balance. You've heard it on the show in case you haven't, though. Go take a listen. Links in the description below. Super appreciate you. Also, hit that subscribe button and that bell so you get notified whenever we drop updates on all the latest and greatest news in the world of anime manga. Let's get started, though. And first story on the docket we got crunchyroll in the news for a couple of pieces of news but in particular one big piece that i was like okay when did this happen because apparently crunchyroll has recently been hit with a massive lawsuit and yeah sounds like it got a little bit i guess you would say messy is the word i don't know it sounds like crunchyroll took an l though let's read and we'll talk some more because yeah crunchyroll getting hit with them lawsuits dog according to this article it says crunchyroll settles in class action suit regarding user information privacy sony pictures entertainment and crunchyroll reached a settlement on september 15th in a class action lawsuit between them and salvador beltran jr li gross and others making crunchyroll users in the united states eligible for pay of approximately $30. The exact amount, oh wow, $30. We're, we're really hitting the big bucks now, aren't we? The exact amount is not yet known. Users in the U.S. who have registered, streamed, or otherwise used the Crunchyroll website or app are eligible for payment. Hey, I guess I could get my, my, my 30 bucks, right? That'll cover a couple months of uh, service with them. Eligible users must submit a claim form by December 12, 2023. So yo, dog, if you want your $30, here's for Nev telling you, uh eligible users make sure you submit a claim by december 12 2023 so you get your 30 bucks and you know what is it what what's service for crunchyroll nowadays like 6.99 or something that's at least what like four four months of free service you know what i'm saying the class action lawsuit alleged that crunchyroll violated the united states video privacy protection act by disclosing subscribers personally identifiable information to facebook and other third-party companies wow sony pictures entertainment and crunchyroll did denied the claim but have decided to settle to avoid the uncertainties and expenses associated with continuing the case beltran and others filed a class action lawsuit in the district court for the northern district of illinois in september 2020 and there's a lot of companies that be doing this under this the guise of like oh we were hacked you know that's usually what these companies say they're like oh we was hacked and that's how 
Crunchyroll sounds like and Sony just uh, either A, they legitimately were doing some wrong and they were like, hey, yeah, we, we got busted, you know what I mean? Or B, they were trying to pull a hack and they didn't know what the hell they were doing and yeah, they got busted. Or C, who the hell knows? But either way, definitely very fascinating. It seems like it's been a very turbulent ride, to say the least, ever since Sony came and bought up Crunchyroll and, well, Crunchyroll and Funimation. It's just been absolute chaos. And it still makes me beg to question on whether or not this big acquisition and this monopoly that Sony has been, you know, obtaining of anime companies is even a good thing. But then again, this is a little bit of a difference of, uh, yeah, more like they were just caught red-handed doing some some shady business. And when I first heard about this also, I was like, oh man, I wonder, you know, I wonder how much money they're gonna have to pay. And I see thirty bucks. I'm like. Okay, well, they got a couple of, uh, you know, I think, what is it, like, millions of people that watch and, and use Crunchyroll. So there's millions of people on the line to be able to utilize this. So, again, if you're a Crunchyroll user, you got an account, uh, submit a claim by December 12th so you could get your 30 bucks. Because who the hell don't want, like, at least four months of free Crunchyroll, right? And, yeah, just in general, Crunchyroll. Uh, stop stealing. Better yet, every site out there, please stop stealing our information and selling it off. Like, if we don't know. A lot of people are hip to the game uh, Crunchyroll just didn't know how to do it right with the we got act it was like no we, we robbed ya and here's 30 bucks to a few people that know about this whole situation like madness but also in the world of Crunchyroll news in light of them being sued apparently they're launching a 24 7 linear channel which is fascinating because Crunchyroll is from the opposite side of the spectrum of you know just on demand pick what you want watch what you want you know the apps versus the TV classic TV or whatnot. so to see them launching a linear channel Let's read more, see what's going on here. Crunchyroll has just made it easier than ever to check out today's best anime series. As anime grows its fandom globally, Crunchyroll is aiding its expansion with a special US channel. The 24-hour channel launches today in hopes of promoting all things anime, and the ad-supported channel will be free to watch. The Crunchyroll channel will immediately reach an anime-curious audience by making a telecast schedule of fan-favorite catalog anime available. The streaming service shared today. Series available at launch include Horimiya, Ranking of Kings, Moriarty the Patriot, Psychopaths, Arefureta, Sugar Apple Fairy Tale, To Your Eternity, and Code Geass, which Ranking of Kings is fire, Psychopaths is pretty freaking awesome, To Your Eternity is great, and Code Geass is a classic, so amongst that, that's a pretty decent catalog to get started with. Uh, new and premium anime content will remain on Crunchyroll's SVOD and AVOD services. As for where you can find the channel, the Roku channel, Vizio Watch Free Plus, and LG channels have all launched the Crunchyroll channel as of today Amazon Freebie will join the group on October 17th according to Crunchyroll its new linear channel will feature dub series in English to start but additional programming blocks are already in the works the Crunchyroll channel is a gateway to the world of anime where we guide viewers to discover new worlds new stories and new characters Raul Purini president of Crunchyroll said about the channel in a new statement and thanks to our distribution partners at launch millions of fans have easy access to the medium that is taking the world by storm if this ad-supported Crunchyroll channel strikes a fancy, then the streaming service has more to offer on its actual site. Crunchyroll has several subscription options which offer fans the latest and greatest anime from simulcast hits to niche favorites. Crunchyroll has it all and its monthly subscription plans start at $7.99. Okay, so yeah, it's about $7.99. So you get like, what, 
three months more or less free if you go to that lawsuit thing i was off by a dollar i thought it was uh, 6.99 either way uh this channel sounds interesting see i'm always conflicted right a part of me is like very happy for the streaming era because the streaming era literally gives you the most control and the most freedom you can watch whatever you want whenever you want however you want you don't gotta wait for like oh you know my favorite show comes on at 7 30 i can't miss it you can watch that 7 30 show at 8 30 9 30 10 30 whenever the hell you want pretty much you don't gotta even watch it that week so it's like on one hand i, I really appreciate the freedoms that is given with streaming on the other hand, it is kind of dope, and maybe this is more so coming from a nostalgic place on my behalf of being able to just put on a channel and them having a nice little block running for you where you don't really got to think too much. But then at the same time, that's also like allowing other people to program what you watch and program your night. And I'm more of a fan of programming my own night and my own brain in general. So I'm like back and forth with it. So, I mean, big ups to Crunchyroll, but it's so, it sounds bad backwards to me like yo dog we made it to the streaming part where everybody gets that and you know there's money involved as far as people's subscriptions and whatnot now to make a channel it almost feels like a slap in the face to cable tv to be honest with you now granted this is like on roku and stuff like that but in general it's like yo dog y'all already went and took a massive chunk of tv and cables you know viewership or whatnot now y'all doubling back and saying yeah but we gotta put a channel on top of that so if you're not streaming on stuff you're gonna be watching our channel dastardly to say the least but at least it gives anime fans options and also again it seems as though this is like a more of a free thing if you have like roku and i think it was a vizio something app there yeah options for anime fans why not definitely let me know if you're interested in that one though like are you fascinated by hey there's a 24-hour Crunchyroll channel or because streaming is a thing you don't really care i will say with the way streaming services continue to amp and price hike dramatically it might come a time where a lot of anime fans just can't afford all the streaming services and they're like you know what cable tv it is or the streaming channel with just ad supported stuff it is so next on the docket massive massive news coming from netofuriksu netflix has announced the release date for the upcoming live action adaptation of the ever so classic and just in general one of the greatest shonen anime of all time in my opinion and i think a lot of people agree with me yu yu hakusho now yu yu hakusho has been announced for quite some time that a live action adaptation was coming to the platform of Netflix and a few fans including myself have been very skeptical on what this thing is going to look like we did have recent success and it was for the most part anywhere ranging from decent to people loving it with the one piece live action Netflix series although Sean Schimmel voice of Goku thinks it's terrible so there aren't everybody on board of that but nevertheless it gave a lot of people a little bit of optimism you know what I mean like yo if they did good with One Piece Netflix you know what I'm saying you never know possibilities are endless but again that team that handled the One Piece Netflix live action isn't the same team that is handling the Yu Yu Hakusho live action because according to this article it says here Netflix premieres live action Yu Yu Hakusho series on December 14th, 2023. So in a few months, we will be getting this bad boy. Netflix Japan announced on Thursday that the live action series based on Yoshihiro Togashi's Yu Yu Hakusho manga will debut worldwide on December 14th. Guests to be announced later will attend a special screening event on the evening of December 13th. 
Shosukikawa, live action Let Me Eat Your Pancreas, is directing the series. And Tatsuro Mishima is writing the script. Ryo Sakaguchi, the Lord of the Rings and X-Men, is the VFX supervisor. Takumi Kitamura, live action Tokyo Avengers, Let Me Eat Your Pancreas, will portray the role of Yusuke Urameshi in the series. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not a fan of how he, lo- he looks. Again, like the complaints that some people had about Zoro in the One Piece live action. Like, he looks like a boy band type of guy. Uh, is kind of what it looks like with Yusuke and if you know anything about Yusuke he's more like a you know a greaser from back in the days type of dude he's not really a pretty boy boy band dude the manga follows of course if you don't know 14 year old delinquent Yusuke Urameshi who dies after saving a child in a car accident spirit world is surprised by his death and offers him a chance to come back as a spirit detective who is tasked with defeating demons toho studios and netflix signed a multi-year contract to lease two of toho's stage facilities in tokyo starting april 2021 netflix's first production there is the live action yu yu haka show series and i'll be honest with you you know a part of me is like yo yeah they did do live action one piece justice right like one piece came out pretty good so you never know maybe they could get this done but then there's a big part of me that is like yo okay that was a flu and at the end of the day there's not the same team that's working on it and i think they actually in between no i want to say one piece started first because oda announced this like in 2017 but either way i still don't really have the most faith in this thing to be honest i'm not gonna come in here and say like yeah this is gonna be great they did one piece like just because they got it right one time out of the many times we've seen from the you know death note live action netflix and a few others doesn't necessarily mean that they're gonna strike gold with yu yu show. i do want it to be good i definitely would love for like hey it'd be a cool experience yu yu show again is my favorite shonen anime of all time it has this level of nostalgia for me and it has a personal I guess story and history with me that is like yo dog I I love this show too damn much you know what I'm saying so it's gonna be hard for me to get over like yo that's not like how Justin Cook did it oh my god that's not Kuwabara Chris Savage did it way better but we'll see we'll see I'm gonna keep my fingers crossed that at the very least it's not terrible but you never know. Maybe it could be uh, a two for two. Maybe we could have this One Piece Netflix be great and Yu Yu Hakusho be just as great or even better. I mean, there's been some cases, again, besides just One Piece Netflix of live action being good. We've seen the Roroni Kenshin live action films were great. And Roroni Kenshin is considered a classic on the level of Yu Yu Hakusho. So maybe they got it right. Or maybe we're about to be in store for an absolute free-for-all disaster of one of the greatest stories ever told by again the man Yoshihiro Tagashi also responsible for the big cult hit Hunter x Hunter 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 but only time will tell either way December 14th Yu Yu Hakusho live action Netflix I will see you there and more than likely I will review that bad boy and talk about it in depth on my other channel go check it out and subscribe link in the description below but yeah, that's where we stand with Yu Yu Hakusho live action Netflix. Moving forward, we got a note from the creator of Bleach regarding him revealing one of the strongest of the Bombies. Now, I, I believe he's referring to the people that was riding with Bombietta 
from uh, the Thousand Year Blood War, from you know the Quincy side of things. It says here, Bleach creator reveals the strongest Bombies. Bleach Thousand Year Blood War wrapped up its second core of episodes earlier this summer as fans got to see Bombietta Bastabine's Bombies group set in motion and the creator behind it all revealed which member of the group is actually the strongest. The Bombies were a new Quincy group that got fans' attention when the first wave of episodes hit last fall as fans saw the fight between the Soul Reapers and Quincy's first began, but it wasn't until part two that Bleach Thousand Year Blood War actually showcased what each of them could do in real fights. Bleach Thousand Year Blood War showcased the respect abilities of each of the bombies with varied successes against the soul reapers and it will likely be as fans wait to see whether or not they survive you watch power drain seen at the end of part two because yeah the main villain is just you know he's a, he's a pretty bad dude <laughs> he has no loyalty even to his quincy brethren but when asked by fans about which of the bombies members actually the strongest bleach series creator taite kubo revealed that there are two sets of rankings depending on how each of the bombies compare as Kubo explained to fans in a blurb for Club Outside Group, the order of powers for the Bombies is they fought one another with the blue enhanced Quincy ability is likely Liloto Lampard, then Giselle Gawel, Minenas Mikalin, oh my god, these names, Minenas Mikalin, and Bombietta Bastabine, and finally Candace Catnip. If they fought with just fists alone with en- without any enhancements, then the order would likely be Liloto Followed by Minenas, Candice, Giselle, and finally Bombietta. So according to Bleach creator, Liloto is the strongest of the group either way. That's interesting because it really was introduced as if, you know, Bombietta is just like that girl. She's strong as hell and interesting. This seemed to be the case as Liloto was revealed to be one of the most resilient of the group when part two was coming to an end. And there's a question as to whether or not she'll reappear in the next wave of episodes. Bleach Thousand and Blood War Part 3 is now in the works for a release sometime in 2024 and carries the subtitle of The Conflict. You can currently catch up with everything that's happened in the first two parts of the anime streaming on Hulu in the United States and Disney Plus and International territories and speaking of since part three of the thousand year blood war is for 2024 and we just wrapped it up at the end of the summer i'm gonna go out on a limb here and say we're probably gonna get the next part of the bleach thousand year blood war sometime either around this time it'll start like maybe next year it'll start around october or again summer but i feel like summer is too soon i feel like next time we'll get bleach thousand blood war at the earliest will be it'll start next fall that way it gives them a long uh time to work on this thing i'm prefer honestly the more time the better because we'll get better quality so that's where i'm gonna guess maybe october of 2024 or it might even be pushed to winter 2025 maybe it'll be january 2025 because again gives them enough time a lot of time actually to work on this thing and get it right and hopefully they follow suit with the boruto anime on a different note but yeah if you was wondering about who's the strongest according to taite kubo it was not bombietta despite the fact that bombietta went up against one of the strongest foes you could with komomora's unlocked capabilities and all that jazz and it's nice to get insight from time to time from this club outside uh, from Taite Kubo. Moving forward, we have a lot, a lot, a lot of One Piece related stories. Mostly all of them are regarding the live action series. So we're just going to read through these bad boys and you let me know what you think of all this chaos of Oda saying this and Netflix showrunner saying that. 
But let's jump into it because for starters, Netflix One Piece showrunner has no plans on dropping the series. One Piece has been confirmed for a second season with Netflix and one of the showrunners behind the live action take on Oda's long running manga has no plans of dropping the series anytime soon. One Piece's live action debut has been taking over Netflix ever since it's made its premiere on the service. So it was no real surprise to find out the series will be continuing with a second season. But what has been surprising is those behind the scenes who have been hoping to continue for upwards of 12 seasons should they get the chance. When asked how he felt about the potential 12 season plan for Netflix's One Piece live action series and whether or not he had a goal for its future, Owens revealed that he did because of just how much material is still left to cover from the manga. I do. I want to go as long as we can. There's a lot of source material and while I do, just because I'm so obsessive not just with One Piece but planning in general, I do have ideas of what future seasons can be, what will be included in them, how we can on a macro level structure some things just because of the wealth of material that we have. I will make this show until Netflix says no more. One Piece Season 2 is already in the works and we'll have some big arcs to cover if the series should be setting the stage for even more seasons to come. This includes fan favorite members of the Straw Hats like Chopper and big arcs like Logtown, but no release window or date has been announced yet for the next season because they're still working on it right now. And I think they're even like in the early stages anyway. Like I think they got scripts and they're about to head to, you know, getting it tweaked up to go film or whatnot. But yeah, it's no surprise that, you know, they made One Piece live action a hit and I Ideally, if you got a hit of this show that, you know, the anime, the source material alone, the manga is at well over a thousand chapters, likewise with the anime. So it would make sense that, hey, we got a hit. Hey, we love this. Hey, there's so much source material. Chances are off the rip. When we were making this thing, we thought on the far-fetched chance that anime and manga fans are satisfied with whatever we do, we would love to keep on going and adapt as much as we possibly can. So I'm not really shocked by that per se. Then we got Netflix One Piece writer confirms major anime locale will appear. There is one particular location that was briefly featured in One Piece Live Action's first season that many fretted might not be featured in the future of the series, with the creators' minds responsible for the adaptation often needing to make decisions as to what will make the cut from the shonen source material. Certain elements might not have made the cut for season one. Luckily, in a new Reddit AMA, writer and showrunner Matt Owens confirmed that an environment that made a brief appearance in the series premiere would be making a comeback in the show's future. Locktown has some major significance to Monkey D. Luffy in the Grand Line, specifically as it acted as the place where Gold Roger met his end. When Roger died at the hands of the military, he was able to use his last words to confirm the existence of One Piece and in doing so, set a number of pirates out on the quest of a lifetime. Logtown also acts as the last major waypoint before pirates hit the Grand Line, making it extra alluring to the Straw Hats as the first season finale saw them sailing off to enter the legendary locale in search of the One Piece treasure. In recent question and answer session, Matt Owens confirmed that the second season will not skip Logtown, good and smart move, as Luffy and his comrades on the Going Mary will visit the town where Gold Roger met his end. Skipped, never. It wasn't included in season one because our episode number got reduced, and to try and cram it in would not have done service to it or the story it had to share space with. Logtown is not cut, we just haven't gotten there yet. When the Straw Hats hit Logtown in the original manga and anime adaptation, they had a number of surprises that awaited them. Alongside running into Buggy and Alveda, who were now working together to fight against Luffy and his crew, they were also introduced to the powerful military man known as Smoker. Smoker was featured in the post credit scene of One Piece's first season, so expect him to play a big 
role in season two and you can't skip this arc okay this is a very very important arc to luffy's character this is a very very important arc to luffy's connection to a certain person that i won't spoil but there's a lot of breadcrumbs and just overall richness that is in Logtown, even though it's early on in the series it's an important arc and for them to skip it would be criminal and i think as they stated they're aware of it and it sucks that originally i think this was supposed to be 10 episodes and then they got cut of those last two where we could have got some really epic stuff and probably it would have ended a different way if they were able to fit in you know well even with two episodes i wonder if they would have been able to do log town justice in two episodes maybe it's a blessing in disguise that they did get cut those two episodes because now with the next season maybe they could focus three or four episodes on log town depending on how they want to play it but yeah don't don't skip out on log town what you know what i'm saying it's smart on them then it says here netflix one piece writer wants live action spinoffs let's chill on that for a moment homie let's you know what i'm saying let's get this boat going a few more seasons before we start talking about spinoffs buddy despite one piece telling its story for decades there have been surprisingly few spinoffs to explore the grand line and the seas that surround it that is very true i've always thought that was odd luckily the spinoffs that have landed as manga have featured some big moments with two of the premiere stories focusing on ace's backstory and sanji's culinary abilities and a new reddit ama series showrunner writer matt owens took the opportunity to confirm that he would love nothing more than to further flesh out Luffy and the company's world with live action spinoffs. One Piece live action adaptation would always be an uphill battle for the creators and cast responsible for the series. Live action adaptations in the past such as Dragon Ball Evolution, Ghost in the Shell, and Attack on Titan failed to capitalize on the source material according to anime fans. Netflix specifically saw two live action takes in cowboy bebop and death note that anime fans found themselves unable to get behind with one piece netflix has given fans an adaptation that is considered one of the best in the history of anime doing justice to the series thanks to the creator's love of the straw hat pirates and the involvement of creator Ichiro oda in the reddit question and answer session writer matt owens was asked if he would love to further flesh out the anime world via spinoffs jumping at the opportunity owens not only stated he would like to explore spinoffs but also has one in mind that would focus on mihawk the current greatest swordsman in the world i would love for that to be the case there are so many stories we have yet to dive into fully i'd love to do a young mihawk series seeing his rise through the world interacting with other prominent figures from the past while the second season has been confirmed and the writer's room is now open one piece of live action series might take time to return thanks to the screen actors guild strikes still on the way i forgot about that yeah the writer's strike is done but the actor's strike is still going when the series does return it will have some important material to cover as oda already teased the arrival of the straw hats doctor tony Tony Chopper, which jumps to the next story because apparently One Piece creator Eiichiro Oda already offered Chopper's role to an actress because even if they decide to go the CGI route for Chopper, you know, just he's a generated image, he's not a real actor, there still needs to be somebody to voice him regardless, right? Although I do think that they already confirmed that they're actually not going to try and go for CGI and they're going to try and actually have a real actor, which I don't know how the hell that is going to work. But according to this, one of the biggest introductions of the second season of Netflix is One Piece will most likely be Tony Tony Chopper, with creator Eiichiro Oda teasing that the Straw Hats resident doctor will be arriving in the upcoming season. Fans have been left wondering how the reindeer will be brought to the world of live action. In a recent interview, one actress has taken the opportunity to reveal some shocking news that Oda himself had offered her the role of Dr. Kureha's dedicated assistant. Chopper is most likely a very different figure than the likes of Monkey D. Luffy, Zoro, Nami, Usopp, and Sanji. The first five Straw Hat Pirates introduced in One Piece live action's first 
season with Oda acting as executive producer and the creators behind stating on multiple occasions that they are aiming to do justice to the source material. Tony Tony is sure to stay true to his wild appearance from the manga and anime. First meeting the Straw Hats on Drum Island, Chopper was originally a reindeer that chowed down on a devil fruit that allowed him to take the form of a human hybrid along with many other transformations. Netflix has yet to confirm how Chopper will be brought to life, leaving fans to wonder if he'll appear thanks to computer-generated animation and or prosthetics. Who will be Tony Tony? In a recent interview with actress Hashimoto Kana, Kana stated that Oda had jokingly offered her the role of Tony Tony, but she quickly declined. Like the young actor playing Zoro, Makenyu, Hashimoto is no stranger to taking part in live-action anime adaptations. In the past, she had roles in the live-action movies for Kaguya-sama Love is War, Kingdom, Gintama, Assassination Classroom, and even the stage play for Studio Ghibli Spirited Away. God damn, her resume is nasty, bro. Let's go. Tony Tony won't be the only new character that will be a part of piece of second season as both jamie lee curtis and the creators on the series are hoping to bring dr kureha to life in the villain department the series might introduce the likes of crocodile waffle and many others to fight against the straw hats and i'll be honest if they do end up going the route of cg for tony tony chopper and it's not an actual actor that has to like you know use their own voice just use the english dub version of chopper for it like that's totally fine and then in the japanese use the regular japanese voice or whatnot like you, you don't gotta complicate it if they go the cgi route if they end up going with a real actress or whatnot it just really depends i don't want to be because we've seen how i don't want to say misled we were but definitely we were off mark on how these actors would come about and how it would feel when the actual show goes on so i would love to actually just see how the tony tony chopper character comes to life opposed to be like i don't know this one should be again if it's cgi related just use the anime dub actor like i'd be totally fine with that but again we gotta wait and see netflix one piece writer feels fxxx relieved about season one what one piece live action has been a massive success since it made its premiere with netflix earlier this summer and the co-showrunner behind it all revealed how much relief they felt to see it's been received so well before the new one piece series officially made its premiere one of the biggest questions about what to expect from the new series was how well Eichiro Oda's massively popular manga and anime franchise would make the jump to live action. Considering how some live action adaptations have been received in the past, even those behind the scenes had their own fears about it. When asked about how the success of One Piece first season has been since it hit Netflix during a Reddit AMA, co-showrunner, writer, and executive producer for the Netflix live action series Matt Owens explained that it was not only a relief, but it would also make the team work that much harder to keep that steam up with the now in the world second season it's a huge effing relief owen stated when asked about how it felt to be behind a successful live action manga adaptation and it galvanizes me to keep it up we're not complacent we're gonna keep working hard to make season two even better than season one with the gwa strike recently ended the writing team of the one piece series has begun working on season two which was announced to be in the works shortly after the first season premiered one piece season two has yet to reveal any concrete release yada 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 and yeah i'd imagine you would be very relieved considering everybody was breathing down their necks and a lot of people have their had their doubts including myself i was very skeptical leading into it and yeah i'm sure they're happy but then also which i'm gonna lie this is just a a a wealth full of information about the live action netflix one piece writer reveals which character he wants to bring to live action the most one piece live action is currently back at work for the highly anticipated season two of the series and the co-showrunner behind the series has revealed which of the future characters he wants to bring to live action the most 
and I believe this is from Matt Owens. I really want to get to Law. Owens responded to a fan when asked about which characters he'd like to see come to the live action series. I love that broody boy so much because it's a fun design. It'd be a nice challenge. And because I love her, I also want to get to Carrot. Owens confirmed even yo, Carrot is a long ways off, buddy. Owens continued even with the hopes of Carrot becoming an official member of the Straw Hat crew. Carrot for Nakama. As for which arcs he's most excited to take on in the future, Owens is looking towards the skies. Skypea would be a blast. To spend the whole season in one of the most creative worlds Oda created would be a lot of fun. Although I don't know how that would translate to live action because a lot of people don't really care for Skypea. Even though it's a very important arc, I like it. But a lot of people will be with that dumbness of, yeah, just skip Skypea. Even though it later turns out to be one of the most pivotal arcs with so much information. But yeah, just skip Skypea, dude. It's not worth like stop in terms of characters he'd be nervous to adapt for the live action one piece it turns out frankie post time skip would be the one needing address more since that design is around more with no release window or date for blah 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 okay yeah we know then quickly on the one piece manga related side of things one piece will be on break next week with weekly shonen jump issue number 47 and we'll resume in issue number 48 as scheduled part for the course no problem there then netflix one piece writer reveals surprising part of working with the original creator one piece live action has been a massive Massive success with fans because of how faithful it's been to the original series. And one of the big draws of the live action One Piece series was how faithful of an adaptation it was for the manga releases. And the co-showrunner behind it, Matt Owens, opened up about working on the series ahead of the start of Netflix Season 2 production and a Reddit AMA with fans. The most surprising aspect of working with Oda is how well we gelled and collaborated, Owens began. Not that I expected different, but his engagement was not just informative and important, but fun. We have spent hours talking about intricacies of One Piece, characters, history, all sorts of things. As Owen continued, it was revealed that Oda and Owens developed a much closer working relationship over the course of the series. We also talked a lot about movies and books and anime. We learned how each other think and it birthed a very creative partnership. I always look forward to our talks because we learned so much from one another and it made for a better show. I really cannot express enough my love for him. Which kudos to homie, although I don't know how close of a relationship you're going to have considering they're communicating via a translator, I'm imagining. I don't think Oda knows English, so it's like you and that translator probably have a great you know, relationship. I don't know if you and the homie, because homie can't really understand you, you know what I'm saying? And he's a Japanese recluse in his room drawing all day, so. But yeah. And then right here, One Piece releases episode of Alabasta movie for free. One Piece episode of Alabasta, The Desert Prince and the Pirates is a remix version of the anime's take on the Alabasta arc from Oda's manga that gathers it all into a single runtime. It speeds through some of the events to cover all the big feats, so fans curious about the arc will be glad to know there's still plenty of potential ground to cover when the live action one piece series gets to this very important area toei animation teases the episode of alabasta special as such and it says here one of the first major areas of the grand line is alabasta and everything that comes with it and now fans can check out a taste of what's to come with the release of one piece episode of alabasta the desert prince and the pirates available for free streaming with one piece's official youtube channel through october 1st with english subtitles in the united states and canada so if you would like to check that out which episode of alabasta i think that was like the first official movie that they brought forth over here i'm not sure if this is a movie or they redid it again but uh the movie i think it was movie eight the alabasta retelling or whatnot and it was pretty good from what i remember it was like the first thing that i think that they brought over here in the middle of funimation getting the rights from four kids for one piece back in the day and there you guys have that long 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 segment of one piece stories 
Hope you enjoyed it. Shoutouts to Oda. Moving forward, we got a bunch of Dragon Ball stories to cover. For starters, Dragon Ball Z Budokai Tenkaichi leak gives fans update on new game. At long last, Dragon Ball Z fans have finally learned a bit more about the new Dragon Ball Z Budokai Tenkaichi game that Bandai Namco announced back in March. Yeah, they announced it and then it was just kind of like, hey, I, I hope you're excited. We ain't telling you nothing else for a long, 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 long time. But yeah, get excited. Unofficially dubbed Dragon Ball Z Budokai Tenkaichi 4 since the last mainline one Bandai Namco left off with was Dragon Ball Z Budokai Tenkaichi 3 which came out way back in 2007. It looks like this latest leak may have finally given the return of the fighting game series an actual name. Bandai Namco trademarked something called Sparking Zero and if discovery of that trademark is any indication of what's to come we'll hopefully be hearing about the new game very soon. The trademark in question was spotted within the database of the United States Patent and Trademark Office. It was filed on September 26th by Bandai Namco and as its case with most of these trademarks spotted ahead of its official release it lacks any kind of interesting details that might give away more on the game we don't know much about the game based on that trademark alone but if you're familiar with the other older Dragon Ball Z fighting games under the Budokai Tenkaichi label it's not difficult to figure out how the two properties are connected Budokai Tenkaichi is indeed the western name for the fighting series with each game in it following those naming conventions as new games were released but in Japan the series is called Dragon Ball Z Sparking instead. The first game in the series took that exact title while Dragon Ball Z Sparking Neo followed it and Dragon Ball Z Sparking Meteor rounding out the last of the three main games. Which I'm imagining they added the Budokai subtitle because before the Budokai Tenkaichi games it was just Dragon Ball Z Budokai and I think they did like three of those and then they were probably like okay we're gonna make more Dragon Ball games and these Budokai games are very very successful. How about we call those Sparking games Budokai as well because yeah to this day dragon ball z budokai 3 in my opinion is one of the best if not the best dragon ball z games ever made and that's when when they started doing the tenkaichi stuff i was like "Eh." it felt like they kind of peaked with budokai 3 and then they did tenkaichi budokai and i was like "Eh, okay why not but yeah uh so it probably is going to be called dragon ball z budokai tenkaichi zero i wouldn't be mad at honestly if you just called it dragon ball z zero i'd be fine with it too why not i mean the titling is irrelevant to me just give me a really fun dope game to have fun with my peoples you know moving forward dragon ball jojo's bizarre adventure creators ink tributes to fist of the north star in case you missed it on Feneva news which if you missed it you should hit that subscribe button and that bell so you always get notified on what we're covering over here in these parts but it's been announced that fist of the north star is getting a readaptation a reboot of the classic anime which it's long overdue i love fist of the north star from what i've seen and you know just what it represents as one of the pillars of making shonen anime and shonen manga what it is today but that art and animation from the original anime definitely has become a little bit dated to the point where it's like okay it's time for that readaptation and it seems like it's finally happening and again to celebrate we got some creators coming out to you know support it is hard to believe but fist of north star is turning 40 the hit series been around for four decades at this point and a number of popular manga titles look to it for inspiration right now fist of north star is ready to celebrate his anniversary over in japan and some major artists have revealed their own tributes for the event from dragon ball to jojo's bizarre adventure creators from shonen jumps history have teamed up to honor fist of the north star and let's see here again we got one from hirohiko araki new art of kenshiro by hirohiko araki and i'll be honest with you that looks kind of like 
I don't know if that's Joseph or Jotaro, but super ultra mega flamboyant. And I get it, that's the Jojo Bizarre Adventure look or whatnot, but yeah, uh, Kenshiro never posed like that. I don't know what you're doing on Aki. You'd be, you'd be bugging out a little too much, homie. You'd be on that zesty, sussy, sus stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, cool beans, but I think we're gonna move on, fam, because then we got Akira Toriyama's, and Akira Toriyama's, it looks really dope. It's cool to see the man, you know, the, the man, the myth, the legend in his 70s or 80s. Still kicking and still doing some really awesome stuff. Although he loves the chibi. I don't know if you've ever noticed. He always puts these chibi designs. Even when he's doing character designs for like Dragon Ball Super or whatnot. He rarely does regular looks. Everything is usually like these chibi SD looks. And he did the same thing for the Kenshiro. But it looks really dope. Like he put a lot of detail in it to celebrate. And I'm sure it's because yo he remembers you know Fits in North Star was his predecessor. So to be able to honor it I'm sure is a big deal for him. And we also got from the likes of a few other creators we got one from oda that looks fantastic we got one from yoshihiro tagashi as well like there's a few pieces or whatnot but definitely of the bunch for whatever reason well i really like the oda one the oda one it kind of looks like a young garp and i really like the toriyama one i like both of those the most as for other tributes, the creators of Detective Conan and Inuyasha put together artwork for the anniversary event. Where sure more sketches are to come. Yeah, they're going to celebrate. It's Fist of the North Star at the end of the day. And again, kudos to all these creators coming out and showing out to celebrate. And other Dragon Ball related news. We got Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2 getting big free updates soon. As well as more DLC in 2024. Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2 proves resilient once again. With developer Dimps and publisher Bandai Namco announcing this week. Plans to release even more content for the game in 2024. And I'm going to give you guys my <laughs> updated opinion on Xenoverse 2 here in a bit. That includes unnamed DLC with playable characters yet to be revealed. But the Xenoverse 2 community won't have to wait until next year to see more added to the game the creators confirmed in a roadmap update shared this week that a big free update is coming much sooner on october 12th even more content has been teased beyond the 2024 preview so don't expect a xenoverse 3 anytime soon the official dragon ball games twitter account first teased the updated roadmap this week by showing off some artwork for the next chapter of xenoverse 2 and previewing some of what would be included in the free update that update will launch october 12th the creator said which makes for a very short time between the tease and the release though that's not too uncommon for dragon ball games below is a preview of what is included and there's this image that was released that looks so freaking hype of it's goku next to this character with like some blue glasses and like it looks like he's super saiyan blue and they're both doing kamehamehas and like a pink background and i'm not gonna lie this looks like box art for what should be xenoverse 3 i gotta commend them i will say that above everything i gotta commend them that seven years deep and they're still supporting this game this is a game that they clearly and a new strategy that they clearly wanted to be behind of supporting one game for an endless amount of time i think on the naruto side of things just slightly unrelated but i think they made a big mistake with deciding to do that with the shinobi striker title i get it, it was create a character and they were trying to model that after like the xenoverse stuff but it works for xenoverse in a way because overall xenoverse upon launch especially xenoverse 2 was met with critical praise for the most part people don't say it's the greatest game in the world usually people say like fighters is the better of the two but fighters came what was it two years later i think but ultimately like xenoverse 2 for the most part a lot of people liked it i personally think that seven years is a long time to support a game that i think it originally came out what was it ps3 or was it ps4 early ps4 it's been a very long time of them supporting it but again i gotta commend that they didn't abandon this thing and if you look historically xenoverse 2 marks the beginning of namco bandai's new 
strategy. Prior to that, it was every single year a new Dragon Ball game. No matter what, every year Budokai 1, Budokai 2, Budokai 3, Budokai Tenkaichi 1, Budokai Tenkaichi 2, Budokai Tenkaichi 3, Verse Limit. Uh, what, what was the other ones? It was another Raging Blast. Like they always had a new game, and then once Xenoverse Two came out, they took like a couple years for Fighters. They took a couple years for Kakarot. They've been doing like a couple years, but still supporting this game with DLC. This game is pretty much like the Dragon Ball Heroes. You know that Dragon Ball Heroes anime that is like a promotional anime, short episodes, doesn't make sense, has all the fan service in the world. That's pretty much what they're turning Xenoverse 2 into. A part of me would have loved for a Xenoverse 3 by now with like updated PS5 graphics and gameplay and all that jazz, but it is what it is. I may jump back in at some given point just because the amount of dlc and fun that seemingly is being had there is cool and i play video games to have fun i play video games to enjoy and have a good time so maybe it'd be fun to jump back in but i ain't gonna lie seven years on one game that's pretty crazy i feel like with the naruto side of things again i know i'm bringing up naruto in a dragon ball story but they should have and moving forward in the future they should do this approach if they're gonna keep doing it for a game for like the storm franchise because it's like the storm you know naruto storm games are way better than shinobi strikers by by billion so yeah but kudos to dragon balls universe 2 and salute to that new art i ain't gonna lie i i really was like yo it's a xenoverse 3 because it looks really good moving forward in case you don't know if you haven't been keeping up with the attack on titan manga or anime over the last few well the manga's been over with but the latter parts of it uh if you don't know Eren yeager the main character is definitely a very different breed so to speak so much so that his abilities transcend time and space and apparently we're going to see more of that because attack on titan will interview anime character Eren yeager for series finale let's see what what this means and what this entails Attack on Titan's Eren Yeager is voiced in Japan by Yuki Kaji, while in North America, the protagonist is voiced by Bryce Pappenbrook. With the series preparing to come to an end this fall, the brutal anime franchise is taking this opportunity to interview not the voice actors responsible for bringing the Attack on Titan to life, but Yeager himself. In a shocking development, Attack on Titan has confirmed that an interview will take place this fall with Eren Yeager himself before the anime adaptation ends next month. Eren's path in this fourth and final season of the anime is far different than what anime fans have seen from attack on titans first four seasons thanks to being granted a look into his future the youngest jaeger has been doing everything he can to unleash the rumbling upon the world and gain the power of the founding titan believing that the only way to save his friends in the land he calls home is to eliminate most of the world's population Eren has unfortunately been quite successful in his recent campaign as was shown in the anime's penultimate episode with the scout regiment now facing Eren in his ghoulish new state the final episode will have plenty of death and destruction before the story ends. Japanese TV station NHK is promising to air an exclusive interview with Eren Yeager himself on October 23rd. This will be the first time that an anime character has been interviewed in character and considering Eren's decisions this season, it should make for quite the interesting chat. Hopefully, he'll appear far more human than his monstrous founding titan form. Creator Hajime Isayama hasn't stated that he will create a sequel to his beloved franchise in the future, though he will be forging a new manga short next year. Attack on Titan Fly will be an art book that will include a brand new short story from the mangaka that will return to the Survey Corps universe, though details on what this story will entail remain a mystery. And I wonder what they're going to do here. Hopefully, whatever his dialogue is in this interview, everything 
everything has been prepped and written by Isayama himself. I hope it's not the studio taking it into their own hands of like, yo, this is at the end of the day an interview of the character. Technically, it's an interview of Isayama's thoughts and what Isayama would have him say. So whatever dialogue you're going to have homie say, just have Isayama write it out for him, you know, in the best way possible to make it all feel realistic as it possibly can be. Because at the end of the day, let's keep it real. (laughs) We're (laughs) interviewing a fake anime character, but... Hey, maybe this will catch on. This will be a new wave, so to speak, of interviewing anime characters. Although I'm sure there's some independent creator that has already been doing this and now it's just the Japanese acting like, yeah, we're doing something innovative. No, you're taking it from independent creators like y'all always do. Moving forward, apparently My Hero Academia studio president explained the one thing anime houses must do. And since the studio president of My Hero Academia is so successful, I mean, if this is Studio Bones, this is the same studio that brought you Mob Psycho 100. Nothing to sneeze at here. And of course, My Hero Academia has been very successful. So let's see what's the one thing anime houses must do. Studio Bones is well known for its biggest adaptations such as My Hero, Mob Psycho, and Full Metal Alchemist. Oh my god, how could I forget Full Metal? (laughs) Full Metal Classic classic next year bones is taking the opportunity to explore a unique new story in metallic rouge which isn't based on a manga that has already hit the stands in a recent interview bones president masahiko minami talked about the anime industry and what studios should focus on in order to stay afloat in an ever-changing market this year was a big one for studio bones completing both my hero's sixth season and bugo stray dog's fifth with both anime adaptations confirming that an additional season was on the way the studio also recently announced that it is working on a new anime for Netflix and T-Bone Patrol, a time travel series that spawned from Doraemon's universe. Whatever projects Bones continues to tackle in the future, it's clear that the studio has earned a place in the anime fandom. Minami had this to say when it came to how anime studios can stay alive, stressing that production houses need to focus on original works. I believe that a company will die if it doesn't create original works. Just creating adaptations can make an anime production company grow significantly. However, as Bones, we understand the necessity of fostering creativity and imagination in conjunction with our staff we approach animation as a visual medium and contemplate the kinds of works we can bring into existence this creative aspect is crucial masahiko then took the opportunity to use space dandy as an example for instance the staff has asked me why did you decide to create space dandy to which i respond wasn't it enjoyable to create everyone affirms it was indeed fun well to some extent dandy was a project that director watanabe and i were particularly eager to undertake both the creators involved in his production and the audience desired to create and witness something enjoyable it may have been a somewhat constrained era animators enjoy significant creative freedom and various artists express different aspects of dandy without appointing a chief animation director and i 100 agree on this in fact i urge anybody that is creating if you're watching this segment right now if you're creating anything let's just say even online for example you're creating a, a twitch streaming channel you're creating a youtube channel and even if it's you know let's just say you're doing anime stuff right i highly encourage and stress that If you're doing whatever, let's just say you're a One Piece content creator, you're a Bleach content creator, you're a Naruto content creator, Boruto, whatever the case may be, whatever it is that's your shtick, you should definitely start creating something on the side, whether it be on those channels or on side channels or side business altogether that has nothing to do with that and is more so based on your brand that you own, whether it be that you create a fictional 
character that is going to be like a merch launch that you're going to move forward with. Whatever the case may be, always have something that is yours. That's one of the big things of why I created for Never News to begin with. Because I was like, okay, you know, I could talk about Naruto, One Piece, Bleach, and all this other stuff all day. But I don't have necessarily a platform that is like mine, per se, if you understand me. Like my brand for Never News is a news thing. It's one of the biggest anime and manga related news pieces out there. So Forever News is mine where I cover anime and manga and whatnot. But also I have my news based thing with you know, so if Naruto ends, One Piece ends, I still got a million other things to talk about and a million other things under the umbrella of Forever News. Likewise with the company that I'm slowly building, Blackfire Entertainment, where we have comics under our name that we're developing and many other projects that we're gonna be undertaking as well. That's why I also created my main thing that I love doing and that's music. Music under the name now that I'm going by Tim T.I.M. So I'm always trying to create other stuff outside of just talking about, oh, the latest, you know, Boruto chapter was crazy or whatnot. So I encourage any creative, if especially your main stick is that you're covering other people's content, that's cool. Continue to utilize that to grow, but focus on creating things outside of that. So when inevitably that thing ends or that thing comes to a close or it's not hitting like it used to, you have a plethora of other ideas and cool things that is under your name, that is your stuff that you can fall back on. Moving forward, I found this one to be absolutely fascinating. Apparently, we're going to be getting this massive Jujutsu Kaisen crossover. And you're probably like, yo, what crossover? What are we getting? Is it going to be like Jujutsu Kaisen X Naruto, Jujutsu Kaisen X Demon Slayer? Like, where are we going with this? No, 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 no. None of those. It is Jujutsu Kaisen announces official Godzilla crossover. What? What? Why Godzilla? Like, alrighty then. Jujutsu Kaisen Season 2 took anime fans to the past for the hidden inventory arc and has returned to the present with the Shibuya Incident arc. Upping the stakes for Yuji Itadori and his allies in recent episodes, the Supernatural Shonen series is set to have a crossover this month that will see the sorcerers pitting their skills against some of the world's most popular kaiju. That's right, Godzilla and his fellow giant monsters are aiming to cross over with the world from the mind of Gegakutami. Jujutsu Kaisen hasn't been shy about pitting the supernatural heroes against some truly grotesque monstrosities. The curses of this world are routinely formed thanks to mankind as only sorcerers like Gojo Yuji and other members of Jujutsu Tech have the power to stop them. In the latest storyline, the Shibuya Incident arc, villains like Suguru Get, Mahito, Jogo, and several others have made the decision to take Gojo off the playing field, locking him inside of a nefarious cube known as the Prison Realm. It's now up to Yuji and his friends to attempt to free their mentor while also fighting against the countless threats that will emerge now that the world's most powerful force for good is no longer around. The crossover between the anime sorcerers and the world's most popular kaiju will arrive as a merchandise line in Japan on October 13th. The new line sees Jujutsu Kaisen heroes side by side with both the original iterations of the giant beast along with Chibi Godzilla. This doesn't necessarily mean we'll see the, an animated crossover featuring the two different worlds, but anime fans can dream. I wouldn't dream of that. I, I'm gonna be on who's dreaming like, oh god, please I need I need to see Nobara getting tossed around by a Godzilla giant dinosaur dragon thing. Like, no, no. <laughs> like, and honestly, I will put that within five minutes. Gojo will have Godzilla squealing like a piggy, bro. Like, on some real. Come on, let, let's let's cut it out. Or Mahito or Sukuna. So, you know what, Yuji? Just move aside for a second. Just straight blast straight through Godzilla. Something like that. You think we're going to be playing with? Come on now, bro. I don't know. This is a wacky crossover. Again, it's just merch seemingly based on that. But why? <laughs> like, I guess it's good on both ends. Like, you know... 
kiddos and younger people and honestly just the mainstay of mainstream media in general is in an anime realm so it helps uh godzilla to kind of be a little more current and you know godzilla being a classic it kind of brings forth like oh hey what is this godzilla stuff from people that maybe are younger or don't know about godzilla so i guess it's like a interesting exchange of fandoms but it's just bizarre and kind of like who asked for this who wants this why i would expect maybe a kaiju number eight and godzilla collaboration now that would be perfect that would make sense that would be grand that would be epic i would love an anime crossover of that absolutely that makes sense jujutsu kaisen huh Maybe Jujutsu Kaisen like Beetlejuice or something would make sense, you know? Next up, apparently, Vinland Saga's creator has unpacked a new manga recommendation. Vinland Saga's second season was one of the biggest, most heartfelt anime arrivals in 2023. Makoto Yukimura took the opportunity to endorse a manga known as The Buggle Call, which first, or Budgel, but Buggle, bu- Bugle Call? Maybe the, bu- the Bugle Call, which first arrived in Shueisha's publication, Jump Square 2022. It focuses on a young boy named Lucas who can see sound and hates war despite being dragged into it considering the storyline it makes sense that yukimura would see something in the manga senso kyoshitsu which yeah that kind of sounds about right based on what i remember of you know up until i think i saw like six or seven episodes of season two of thorfinn and uh what was homie's name that was with him in season two it's been a little minute but yeah it sounds about right something that of a message that yukimura would like shared if you've never heard of the bugle call before here's an official description for the manga series known as senso kyoshitsu the year is 1294 the war rages lucas the bugler of a small mercenary band is endlessly thrown into battle after battle but longs for the day that he can fulfill his wish of becoming a real musician oh god (laughs) sounds like me a little bit (laughs) one fateful day however lucas his latent powers awaken and his life takes a drastic turn under the guidance of the pope lucas is tasked to become a key player in the war and lead the fight against the empire and its agent of destruction the garland burdened by his dangerous mission lucas still longs for the day he may see his wish come true earlier this year we hear i come up and honestly based off that description i wouldn't mind checking that one out the bugle call sounds interesting it's basically where you have a goal and a dream but unfortunately life be real and it kind of sidetracks you from what you're trying to accomplish so shout outs to yukimura plugging that in and you know shout outs to villain saga moving forward y'all know invincible season two is gearing up to arrive and it says here invincible season two reveals first look at jay Pharaoh's new superhero. Invincible Season 2 is now inching closer to its return to Amazon Prime Video this fall, and to celebrate, the series has revealed the first look at new heroes coming to the series, voiced by Jay Pharaoh. The first season of Invincible was a huge hit with superhero fans, as it not only introduced fans to its titular, I never understand how to pronounce that word, titular, titular hero, but immediately shook things up with the tease of some massive conspiracies and consequences to be found. This ended up coming to a head at the end of its first season, as Omni-Man nearly beat his son Mark to death and left Earth shortly after. This has left Earth's heroes in the midst of a massive power vacuum as not only do they now have to worry about the threat of their former number one hero, but Invincible himself needs to somehow make up the gap in power. This also means we'll be seeing way more heroes entering the fray to compensate, such as Bulletproof, who will be voiced by Jay Farrow in the new series. You can check out the first look at Bulletproof for Invincible Season 2 below as shared by the series' official social media and screen ramp. And you already saw the suit in the first episode of Invincible, but here's a look at someone not named Mark Grayson, meet Bulletproof, voiced by Jay Farrow. And I'm assuming Bulletproof is the, unless it's referring to that team, I'm assuming Bulletproof is homie with the shades on and, 
Yeah, considering the way things left, I hope this dude is legit. I hope this dude is strong because whenever Omni-Man does return, we see Mark get the living dog crap beat out of him. He was not invincible by any stretch of the imagination when it came to throwing hands with his pops. So bulletproof, we hope you bulletproof, we hope you Omni-Man proof because if not, we're going to get molly upside our heads and it's going to be a very, very bad thing the day that Omni-Man returns to, you know, spread his Viltramite bull scrap throughout the world. Invincible Season 2 premieres on Amazon Prime Video November 3rd, so it won't be long before we see heroes like Bulletproof in action for what's next. Fans of Robert Kirkman's original Invincible comics likely recognize the hero as someone who plays a very important role in the series' future, but it remains to be seen that the TV series will be following the same path. New season is going to feature a packed cast of Invincible expands with even more heroes and villains too. And yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm ready for Invincible Season 2. Let's get it, baby. Next up, we got some news of apparently a scrapped plot that was supposed to be in Code Geass. Code Geass exec unpacks its first scrapped plot. Code Geass is often considered a fan favorite among anime fans, introducing a complex story with equally complex characters. In the same vein as Attack on Titan's Eren Yeager, Code Geass introduces a complicated protagonist that can often be seen as both a hero and a villain. In a new interview, the co-creator of the anime series, Goro Taniguchi, discussed his original plans for the series and how they differed from what eventually came to be, which... That's fascinating because Kogias is a classic and I don't know what change would have been better if anything things could be worse I don't, I don't know in a new interview Goro Taniguchi discussed many aspects of Code Geass sharing how the series first got its start actually it started without me the producers of Planet Test Mr. Yukawa and Mr. Kawaguchi first talked about it with Okochi it was around the end of Planet Test production and things were getting pretty busy on my end and so during one of the last mixing sessions Kawaguchi came to see me during the break because he had something to talk about and what he talked to me about would become Code Geass I took the order and started gathering people Okochi and I started writing plot drafts and did all kinds of meetings for some time. At the end, Okochi brought all of that together in a single document for TV stations, which Yukawa and Kawaguchi went to present. And as our hopes were at their highest, they came back to tell us it didn't work out and that we had lost to another project. There had been two projects in competition, ours and one brought by Studio Bones. We lost to that one. Goro then shared that the initial pitch for Code Geass was a bit different from what anime fans would eventually receive. It began like this. There's this military school and some military dictatorship where two young boys became friends, but one of them is multiple times by a teacher. But of course, if they did that, they'd be executed. So they start thinking about what they can do. They could either try to get some ability or rise up the rank so high that they could just kill him without consequences or send him to some battlefield where he'd be sure to die. That's more or less what it was like. And I'm going to keep it all the way real. That sounds horrible. I'm so glad that that got turned down. What? What is that, bro? What? What? That is garbage. Why would you even think of submitting that yeah i bet the studios are like ah rave this no 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 we don't want that get get the fuck out of our studio like that's probably what it was like going forward in case you don't know the seven deadly sins four nights of the apocalypse sequel spin-off series is out now i don't think unfortunately in north america we have a legal way of streaming it which really really grinds my gears but it says here the seven deadly sins four nights of the apocalypse episode count has been revealed seven deadly sins is back as part of the now airing fall 2023 anime schedule with the new sequel anime series and the seven deadly sins four nights of the apocalypse has revealed how many episodes will be sticking around for seven deadly sins original anime ran for five seasons and featured two films before being followed up with a two-part sequel anime project but now the series is back with a full series from original creator nakama suzuki and fans overseas have gotten to see how the first episode of the new sequel anime works in action seven deadly sins four nights of the apocalypse is yet to be announced as an international release as of the time of this writing yeah that really really grinds my gears so fans are currently waiting to see 
whether or not this new sequel will be released outside of Japan, but details have been revealed for what to expect from the anime, and home media listings on the website reveal it will be running for a consecutive 24 episodes across fall 2023 and winter 2024, so we probably will see the first maybe 12 Let's see if it's airing in fall. We may see the first 12 episodes like by summer, I'm going to guess, because it looks like they're doing the Netflix jail situation. I'm guessing this is going to hit Netflix, and I'm guessing we're going to get 12 six months after. Ah, I hate this. I hate it when they do that. We probably ain't seen this till summertime on legal streaming, and it'll only be the first half. Ugh garbage i hate that the seven deadly sins for nights of the apocalypse is now airing its new episodes in japan but has yet to confirm an international release plan as of the time maki odaira directs the sequel anime for telecom animation film and it features a central voice cast of show komura as percival aki otsuka as vargas kikunosuke toya as donnie i know shimara as nascience kana nakamura as anghalad Koki Uchiyama as Shin, Toshiyuki Morikawa as Ironside, Rikia Koyama as Pelagard, and Sachi Koruyu as Arthur Pendragon. And yeah, uh, I believe this what uh, takes place 16 years after the Holy War. This is going to be a great anime. It's just I'm sick of the Netflix jail. I'm surprised he's still doing that considering like Hulu is doing, you know, day one that it comes out in Japan. Like every other streaming service is doing day one. Netflix is still stuck on that. Like what, what are we doing here, dog? Come on. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think maybe Hulu still does that. Like I think summertime rendering, they did that. And there's probably a couple others, but Netflix, stop it. Stop it. Please stop it. Nobody, nobody want to wait that long, especially when you hear like, oh, it's out and all the hype is going on, but we can't get into it. And I'm imagining the reason why they're sticking with this with Seven Deadly Sins is because I remember going back to like 2016, 2017, whenever the heck it was like really going with Netflix. The Netflix marathon binge of Seven Deadly Sins was always like the number one most watched. Like people out of everything would go crazy to binge watch a season of Seven Deadly Sins. So I'm guessing ever since that massive success of Seven Deadly Sins beating out everything on Netflix's platform as a binge watch, they probably like, yeah, we're not going to risk that no matter what. We're going to keep it that people want to binge watch Seven Deadly Sins. So that's probably why they do it still crummy in my opinion moving forward in case you don't know adult swim has made quite a few sequels to the original fully coolie however that's the end because according to this adult swims jason demarco who is a front runner on adult swim we won't be making any more fully coolie jason demarco senior vice president in the anime and action series long form department at warner brothers animation and cartoon network studios stated on twitter on friday that while adult swim considers fully coolie grunge and shoegaze rating successes and is very happy with their performance the company won't be making any more DeMarco thanked fans who helped make the two series a success Grunge and Shoegaze are two new seasons of Fully Cooly anime DeMarco is executive producer and production IG is producer for both seasons and I'm not surprised honestly I, I was surprised that when they ended up announcing and it took them many years to get these two seasons so I'm sure considering I didn't hear too great of things I didn't hear bad things but I didn't hear like the same praise that season one of fully coolly got i don't think they're necessarily rushing to make more or they're probably even going to make any at all anymore so they're probably going to go for some newer titles new blood not keep on counting on what worked in the past they're probably going to try some new stuff which i commend them for that yeah like fully coolly had its time they did these two things just as like and and I don't want to say no mods, but definitely just showing love to the fans and giving fans more. But it's time to, you know, 
Time for some new stuff, I guess you would say. But shout outs to Fully Cooley. Quick update for fans of Ranger Reject, aka Go Go Loser Ranger. Apparently, the TV anime unveils its first promo video, visual, cast, and 2024 premiere. Official website for the TV anime of Negi Haruba's Go Go Loser Ranger, which I hate that name. I just prefer Ranger Reject. Manga revealed on Wednesday the first promo video, second key visual, main cast, and 2024 premiere. And the key visual looks pretty cool. And I love that it seems as though it's an homage but also a parody and it sounds like a riot of like power rangers and stuff like that the super sentai stuff like if you are a power ranger fan and you're older now and you kind of think of it as a little bit silly or whatnot it sounds like this is going to play to that type of mindset of like look they're like the power rangers but it's hilarious and i'm all here for it i've been honestly a fan of the idea itself for a long time i never really got into it but i've been waiting for the anime because i think that this would be a cool way to kind of revisit the sentai super sentai type of storytelling but again with a nice twist of making it feel a little less serious and more like it sounds like a riot next up spider-man freshman year full cast and release window reportedly revealed spider-man freshman year has been in the works for quite a while but the release window might be sooner than you think with a new listing reportedly revealing a release window and voice cast for the new animated series marvel studios first announced this new animated take on spider-man as part of disney plus back in 2021 but few concrete details have been unfortunately revealed in the years since tackled by polygon pictures a prominent studio behind anime releases such as pacific rim the black netflix's godzilla film trilogy and more this new spider-man could be hitting as early as next year according to a copyright listing for the series with the united states government spider-man freshman year could be releasing around a projected release of around november 2nd 2024 so about a year and some change with an anticipated completion for episode 101 specifically potentially being around or maybe 101 probably episode 11 i'm guessing around december 15th this this year these listings are far from concrete and could change at any time but it also comes with the potential reveal of the full voice cast featured in the series premiere episode according to the copyright listing for the first episode of spider-man freshman year the voice cast includes the likes of hudson thames who would be returning from what if as peter parker eugene bird spidey and his amazing friends eight mile as lonnie lincoln grace song kidding as nico minuru Hugh Dancy, Hannibal as Otto Octavius, Cotty Walgreen from Fully Cooley and Rick and Morty. We were just talking about Fully Cooley as Aunt May and Zeno Robinson from My Hero Pokemon Masters Journey the series as Harry Osborn. That's dope. Uh, Spider-Man freshman year previously teased that fans will see Peter Parker come into his own as Spider-Man with a new take on the MCU in this animated series and confirm that Charlie Cox will be reprising his role as Matt Murdock, Daredevil with Paul F. Tompkins announced as Bentley Whitman Wizard. These have been the only confirmed voice cast edition since the series was first announced so this listing is subject to change as the animated series continues is production and i'm here for it i'm ready for some animated spidey why not also shout out to that cast sounds like a pretty dope cast on board moving forward i definitely wanted to cover this one this story about baki sounds pretty freaking interesting apparently baki hanma's anime might not return and according to these people they're saying that's okay but let's see why baki the grappler as a manga has continued to follow baki hanma for decades created by manga artist keisuke itagaki the series has continued imprint to this day even long after baki was able to fight his father and gain the respect he wanted for 
some time. While there's plenty more material that has yet to hit the small screen from Baki's manga run, the end of Baki Hama's second season might be the perfect place to bring the anime to a close. And just to give you a brief idea, in the last season, apparently Baki, while not able to kill his father or even terribly injure him, Yujiro is able to give his son something that he never expected to receive, his respect. So it seems as though at the end of that season, he's going to have his father's respect and some sort of bout. I'm trying to be as spoiler-free as I possibly can. And that might be a way to like leave the anime. And personally, I haven't really been able to get that invested into Baki. Like I actually enjoyed from what I remember seeing of the first Baki anime but i've tried multiple times to check out like the newer stuff and i don't know i think it was like the latest season where like baki was with a boy and he was practicing and envisioning fighting like mike tyson which was kind of cool he was like envisioning fighting mike tyson but then he envisioned like some grasshopper or praying mantis i think it was praying mantis he was like fighting a praying mantis it was kind of bizarre um but yeah i don't know how do you feel about it do you feel that baki the grappler deserves more anime or they could stop it already personally i'm i'm give or take with it i, I leave it up to the fans next up we got a rapid round of stories we're just gonna run through apparently assassination classroom by yusei matsui has reached 27 million copies in circulation in case you don't know homie got a new manga and weekly shonen jump as of right now the elusive samurai yeah the elusive samurai so check that one out oshinoko by aka akasaka and yoko Yamengo has reached 14 million copies with 12 volumes in circulation and jeez that's 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 great you're doing well over a million of volume not bad at all uh then their solo leveling manhwa has planned live action korean adaptation french news website l internaut interviewed on thursday dnc webtoon creative director hasing kwak who revealed that writer Chu Gong and the late artist Dubu's Redice Studio solo leveling manhwa has a live action Korean adaptation in development. Let's get that anime first. <laughs> Let's get the anime first before we talk about live actions. I'm just saying. And then Marshall TV anime will be publishing its latest information next week in Weekly Shonen Jump issue number 47. If you're interested in more Marshall, personally, I'm kind of turned off to it at this point, but Hey, if you're interested, there you go. Mission Yozaku the Family will be hosting its fourth anniversary starting next week in Weekly Shonen Jump number 47. Series will be announcing a total of four different projects. If the anime, which escapes me if the anime has been officially announced or not. If it hasn't been, this will be the announcement or we'll get some big trailer or something there for Mission Yozaku, which is about time, dog. It's been in the magazine for how long without an anime? And okay, people, it's time to jump into the Weekly Shonen Jump author comments for starters we have the creator of one piece Eichiro oda sekai no owari and chili beans thanks for the songs for the anime your music matches the art so well it makes each episode so satisfying blue box koji miura i always considered cat faces to be cute but the best might be their lower half their form is like a flower vase hey don't tell uh ikamoto from boruto because homie loves his cat Hakane Banashi's Takamasa Moe. For some reason, I always have a time in the year when all I want to listen to is creepy nuts. That time is now. The time is now. I must go. It's time to get out. If you know, you know. Check out The Time Is Now. Check out The Rise of Tim Roosevelt. My music. Go stream it up. Do it up. Then we got me and Roboko Shuhei Miyazaki. Congratulations on the conclusion of Ayakashi Triangle. I was blessed to be able to see the girls drawn by Yabuki Sensei. Jujutsu Kaisen's Gagakutami. I mentioned there was someone cute in Street Fighter. And the person I was talking to guessed Jury instantly. They both thought Jury was cute, apparently. Tuan Ice Elk Itsumo. To prepare for the serialization, I went to an ice rink for the first time in my life. It was super fun. I can't skate at all, though. But you're doing a skating? No. Sakamoto Days Yuto Suzuki. Are those 
Yokozawa production videos legit. I like to go at least once. Kagurabachi's Takaru Hokazono. I need to get used to drawing weekly manga so I can crush my movie backlist. I want to watch John Wick. Good luck because it never sounds like any of these mangaka have time to do anything. Kill Blue Taratoshi Fujimaki. Apparently some people have saliva that makes Ankake smooth. Uh, but it's always smooth. Okay, that's just weird. I, I don't want to know about people's saliva. And Carry on, carry on. We got Mama Yuyu Yoshihiko Hayashi. For elementary and middle school, the campus was far away. I chose a high school and college that were close, and now I work from home. My commutes have gotten shorter each year. Well, congrats to you, homie. Which watch Kentoshinohara. I've now released 50 volumes worth of manga. It's impressive, but I don't feel like I've had my fill yet. 50 volumes worth of manga. He must have had a few other series before this. The Elusive Samurai Yusei Matsui. People have become much more sanitary over the years, but the level of poop hasn't changed. That's something I thought while reading a recent survey. What? Undead Unlux Yoshifumi Tezuka. The anime hasn't started yet as I write this. I want to watch it ASAP. It has. I watched it. The first episode was crazy. But I wouldn't be surprised if that bad boy gets canceled. Because that is back. Like that is a story or a series that was made back before. You know cancel culture and everybody. Ah it's crazy. But yeah shout outs to Undead Unlux. New Age Exorcist Kota Kawaii. I'm embarrassed that I missed the proper timing. But volume 1 is now on sale in Japan. Martial Master Asumi Kawada. Since very few people visit my studio these days. Days, it gets messy real fast if I let my guard down. Not good. And same here. Don't worry about it, fam. Mission Yozakura family, Hisuji Gandaida. I added an armrest to my desk, but I haven't found the right position for it yet. The Ichinose family, Deadly Sins by Tizen 5. Volume 4 is now on sale in Japan. It has extras. Please check it out. Icehead Gill by Ikuo Hachia. I drank Yakult 100 that helps with sleep along with a meal that causes poor sleep. I think the former won by a hair. Cypher Academy. Well, that's good. Icehead Gill ain't bottom at that, finally. Cypher Academy, Yuji Iwasaki. Starting now, the art frame that introduces the cypher problems has changed for the metaverse the motif for the new version is the glasses weapons then we got a few comments from different i don't think these are in shonen jump i think these are like jump square or something like that a uh, seraph of the end yamato yamamoto we're heading into our 11th year and the next volume releases in november in japan that's crazy 11 years of seraph wow bokurakugai yuto sano i was able to work hard on my august chapter because i was so looking forward to going to a live performance by eve i try to plan at least one fun thing per month world trigger daisuke ashihara i've gained another editor yui san will be handling other media while the manga will be handled by a new employee named Okayama-san. Thanks. Twin Star Exorcist Yoshiaki Sukeano. My cold morning showers are slowly starting to get colder. It's that time of the year, fam. And lastly, Shohat Shoten Akinari Asakura. We've made it to two years. Thank you so much for the support. Wow, that comedy manga with the art being done by the artist of Death Note is still going. That's that's madness. And yeah, people, that was weekly Shonen Jump author comments. Let's close this bad boy off with the top 50 best-selling manga of the week, courtesy of Jose underscore K. And we got places 50 through 41 at 49, volume 20 of Jujutsu Kaisen. On sale for 424 days. It did 10.7k this week. Bringing its total of 1.85. That's wild. That, that that anime is doing moves. It's making moves. Uh, so So No Free Error in volume 5 in 808 days. 10.9k. Bringing its total of 534k. That anime is making moves too. Berserk volume 42's limited edition in 3 days did 10.9. Almost 11k on a limited edition. Okay. Solo leveling volume 14 in 10 days did 29.2. With 11.5 this week. Not bad. So, so no free error in volume four. 
929 days on sale, 11.6 this week, bringing his total to 594. Again, I don't blame it. Um, oh, another one of So So No Fear in Volume 10. 200 days on sale, 334 total, 11.9 this week. I saw the first three episodes of So So No Fear, and it's pretty dope. We got at 35, Jujutsu Kaisen Volume 21. 304 days, it's done 1.7 with 13K this week. So So No Fear in Volume 3. In 1,018 days, it did 613,000 copies with 13K this week. Tensai Shitara Kendeshita. Is that the slime series? I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't think that's the slime series. I might be off on that one. But yeah, look at it. It's there. Uh, at number 30, Chojin X Volume 7. 47K in 13 days with 13.8 this week. So, so no fear in Volume 2. In 1,081 days, 650K. Blue Lock Episode Nagi Volume 3. In 18 days, 142K. Not slowing down a bit for Blue Lock with 15.4 this week. Jujutsu Kaisen at 26 with Volume 22. 213. Hasn't, hasn't been, wow, it's been 200. Oh my God. 15.7k this week with a total of 1.5 million. Uh, so so no fair in volume one, the very first volume at 722k sold with 1140. Oh my god, or 1140 days on sale. Jeez, a mobile suit gun. What is that? Why do I look like Power Rangers? Mobile suit Gundam S or MS. VR Return of Johnny Raiden. Why not? Uh, Yomi no Sugai Volume 5 from the creator of Full Metal Alchemist in 20 days, 166k with 18k this week. That's a hit. She got a hit. She got one. She got one. Places 20 through 11. Jujutsu Kaisen at 18 with Volume 23 in 90 days. Damn, it's been 90 days. Jeez, no way. It ain't been nine. It's been three months. Damn. At 1.3 mil with 22.9 this week. Let's see here. What else we got? My Dress of Darling with a limited edition in 7 days. 27.2 for Volume 12 limited edition. Slime Series Volume 24 in 24 days. 372K with 27,000 this week. Mystery Tolu Nakari Volume 13 in 24 days. 375K. Kinukuman. I never understand who's buying these things. But in 3 days, 30K. Who is buying this? <laughs> it gotta be Ohez. Who else is buying that? Then we got top 10, top 10, top 10. At number 8, Blue Lock Volume 26, the latest volume in 18 days, 280K with 36 this week. Uh, so, so No Friere in the latest volume, Volume 11 in 17 days, 256K with 42.6 this week. Craziness. Let's see here. At number 4, the latest volume of Berserk in 3 days, 83.2K. And if you add that other one, was it was it 11K or uh, it was a decent amount? It's close to 100K between this and the limited. Let me go back real quick. Okay, yeah, almost 11, 10.9 with this one, 93, 94,000 copies for a Berserk Volume 42 between the regular standard edition and the limited edition. That's big. We got Ao Ashi Volume 33 in four days, 95.6K. Great stuff there. And then you got at number one, My Dress Up Darling Volume 12 in a full seven days 166k big ups to my dress of darling still don't get the appeal of it but why not and yes people that's been the episode thanks for watching hope you enjoyed i'm tim and as always people have an awesome day and remember the golden rule anime and manga for life boy have an awesome day peace in and you guys just watched another episode of forever Have an awesome day and make sure to check out my album out right now, The Rise of Tim Roosevelt. Look it up anywhere. The Rise of Tim Roosevelt. You'll find it. A lot of really awesome music. And if you check my Twitch and you subscribe to my Twitch over there, you got a free copy shipped to you. So there's that as well. Thank you so much for your support. And until the next one, peace in. Thought it would have been, wish it would have been. 
Acting like I'm fine is getting harder to pretend I said thought you would have been Wish you would have been Maybe I was wrong, it was me all along